Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Cage Thompson over at the left circle. 29 seconds to go. Scores! Back-to-back darts by TNT. And Cage Thompson has given Buffalo a 3-1 lead with the power play goal. Now here's Krebs, 2-on-1. Krebs pass across, gets it back, scores! Peyton Krebs! Have a few extra bedrooms that they can just haul in there for the rest of the season. Those guys are absolutely electric. I just slip and get fired up when I see it. Peyton Krebs talking about the Czech and Slovak fan club that banged the drum and willed their way to a Sabres win last night and might still be awake, Marty, continuing this uh, six game. They haven't gone to sleep yet. They haven't gone to bed yet because uh, they were... What it must be the time difference, them. though, because yeah. by the time it's like 3 a.m. here, it's already morning in, in Czechia and Slovakia. So these guys are like, let's keep going. So don't go to sleep. Amazing, though. Uh, honestly, it was uh, it, it became fun for us to witness the joy in others, specifically them, as the game unfolded and then came to the conclusion that it did. I mean, this. You're going to, if you don't know about them already through social media channels and um, a fair amount of coverage already on yep. MSG on our game night basis, you're going to recognize them by the time the six game homestand comes to an end. The players certainly did. And, and Marty, aside from meeting all of them personally after the game last night, as you and I did, it was most pronounced that incredible interaction that they found themselves in with the players yeah. while they were making their way onto the ice for period number three. We see this camera shot every single night when Buffalo is playing at home. I don't recall seeing it like we saw it last night. Oh, but but the fun thing about, you know, what the Czech and Slovak fan club has brought is that European feel, right? Because they do all these chants, all these songs, all these cheers, and they are down by the locker room at the, uh, the, the the second intermission as the players are walking out to the ice for the third period, and they're chanting, and they're, and Matthias Samuelson is coming out, and he's like pumping his hands up, and he's like dancing, he's laughing. Guys are going by, and I was laughing because Lukanen is going by, extending his blocker for a little fist bump. These guys are punching the blocker. Like, they're knocking that thing hard. I'm thinking, whoa, let's take it easy here. Like, this is... Just, but it, it, as Peyton Krebs said in the post game, they were electric. It was fun, and even 
you know, so Victor, their 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 leader, their president, uh, messaged me before the game yesterday, and he says, "Can we meet you in Dufford today?" And I said, "Come by the set anytime." Like they they were kind of on their way out um, on Tuesday. on Tuesday when mm-hmm. they um, they stopped by the set at the at the end of the game, so we didn't get to meet them. I'm like, "Come by the set anytime. Come up, say hi. As long as we're not on the air, we'll come and say hi. We'll take pictures, whatnot." So they waited until after the game. But when we were done and packed up our things and walked over, they have this big kind of songs. And it was like, it was awesome. It really was. You've got like, I know they're going to, they're here for the whole homestand, most of them. And they're trying to get as many of them as possible to the Bills game on Sunday um god bless them for that because who knows what the weather's going to be like and um i just hope that you know we can find a way to get them because you mentioned their chance and stuff like that i want to see them in bandit land next friday i think that now there's there's a lot of things overlapping here like obviously they would love to see rusak and kulik in rochester the Amherst are home next Wednesday, but that coincides with a Sabres game home to yep. Chicago. Uh, the Bandits are on the road in Rochester tomorrow, but with the Sabres start time not happening until four, mm-hmm. it would make it impossible to get to um, Blue Both Cross games. Arena to see to see that one. But the, again, a week from today, the Bandits are home, and I I think it would be yet another incredible takeaway for this crew and marty we do have to dive in here on the takeaway. well let me just wrap it up quickly yeah. duffer because one of the fun comment that i got from these guys and it ties back to my experience with some of our czech players and slovakian players mm-hmm. is uh you know i'm i'm going around and i'm like oh yeah it's nice to see everybody or whatever i'm like i visited prague one time and before the season started with the rangers we were four days in prague we went to bratislava and they're all like oh you played against this team that team yeah yeah, yeah. i'm like i love prague we used to go to dinner at like 6 30 7 o'clock and we would walk out of there at 2 a.m like it was like a six hour seven hour dinner and we'd have a few beers and hang out whatever i'm like oh budvar budvar and they're like yeah yeah budvar it's like they're they're bud right they're budweiser or beer or whatever and then victor goes oh beer so much better in czech and so much cheaper and i and i said alice kodalik used to always say to all the guys you come visit me in czech we'll drink czech beer czech beer is much better and it was always like czechs are really proud of their beers it's yes. like the one thing it would be like if you go to Hershey, pennsylvania and you talk about chocolate like in czech their beers are like the one thing and i never really knew that i would thought you know like uh the the, the oktoberfest type of feel right of mm. of those kind of countries but the, yep. the the czechia is really really proud of their beer they're not really too fond of american beers i won't lie to you they're like mm. this stuff is not as good as our stuff back home no and that's all part of the deep pride they have for their players and the game and obviously this group specifically the buffalo sabers mm-hmm. so they got to see a win they're banking on the road the homestand ending 5 and 1 now like they 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 feel like this group has what it takes to run the table and give them everything they've wanted on this lifelong trip that has been years in the making now last night in a 5-3 win over ottawa mm-hmm. what is your most significant takeaway like what, most... what's what's the what's the big individual story for you 
Well, despite the fact they were up 4-1, my biggest takeaway was the 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 lockdown effect. Like they didn't give Ottawa anything as sniff in the first 40 minutes. And maybe that's a little biased as a goalie to look at it that way. But, you know, they had one high danger chance in the first 40 minutes. It was a power play high danger chance. They, the fact that we could say, hey, the Sabres gave up zero high danger chances in five on five play through 40 minutes is like, Unheard of, right? So that to me was good. The confidence that I felt players displayed. Tage Thompson displayed a ton of confidence, even on both of his goals, just taking that shot. Um, it started really well with Cousins and Paterka and the play that they made. But um, I felt like they played with confidence. Everybody talked after the game about Jordan Greenway, big block, right? But there was confidence. Peyton Krebs. There was confidence. Eric Robinson's play. There was confidence. Despite the fact that they had lost, you know, the game before to Seattle in not a really good way. They came out with a ton of confidence. And I'm thinking, like, that that was that was a takeaway. The, the playing well defensively, blocking shots, and playing with that confidence offensively, I think was uh was not something I was expected in the game. No, incredibly high block total, uh 28. I believe at last check was the unofficial final uh, number there. Yep. And, you know, obviously as Tage has felt all year long and uh, repeated times, the blocks can sometimes hurt. Uh, there was, you know, other things happening with Tage last night that left him leaving the game early. He's not practicing today, nor is Darlene actually. Um, and so it's hard to read too, too much into what the lineup could look like tomorrow afternoon at yeah. 4 p.m. Obviously, we'll get some clarification, perhaps, um, from Don Granado. And we do know because Don, you know, mentioned this uh, prior to yesterday's game, and that was with Opozo coming in the lineup and Skinner being out week to week with an upper body injury that they still have an extra defenseman and they still have Victor Olofsson to come back from uh, him being under the weather. So, um, you know, you look at those situations and recognize that, okay, well, if Thompson can't go, which would be a major blow against arguably the hottest team in the NHL, Vancouver, um, you'd be looking at Olofsson coming in and a reworked power play and reworked top unit, which has already reworked before last game. And, yeah. and Tage left the game twice. Yes. And that was like the first one was a stick to the face, which should have been called. It wasn't called, which led Don Granado to be a little upset in the post game when asked about, you know, the team taking three penalties and uh, he kind of corrected it by saying, well, you don't want to get called three times, meaning like what were the referees doing out there? Just looking at us. There was other calls that should have been called out there, especially yeah. the one on Tage Thompson, which mm -hmm. I thought it was a, a funny way for Don to approach it. But yeah, Tage gets hit in the face with a stick, leaves, comes back. And then, and and it was a chance. It was a. It was funny because I really wasn't paying attention to Tage on that play. But it was a chance in the third period where he got the puck, got it back to Tuck. They shot, and then Tage made his way slowly to the bench after that, and then just walked down the tunnel and left, and never to return. So you know, twice did Tage leave. Um, was it because of the stick to the face, and maybe did not feel comfortable with? whatever repairs he needed to have done. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Was it something else that flared up? Don't know. Don Granado said he thought that Tage was going to be okay, that he was going to need more of an answer today. So we wait and see on Don Granado's words. But um, twice, twice in the game. And Tage battled. He battled in that game. And he battled mm -hmm. back the first time to come back and scored a couple of goals. That was, that was the effort I think Don wanted from Tage after uh, taking him off the uh, top line against Seattle. 
It is Friday. That means Shana Goldman on a number of topics league-wide as global warming has hit the National Hockey League. More on that story at the bottom of the hour. Right now, obviously, Buffalo, you're confused, and I can't wait to tell you the... Make sure I finish that storyline. Are the ice melting? Like, is Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it depends on who the opponent is. Now, how big a story is Uko Pekalukunen? Now 3-0-1 in his last four, and dare we ask the question again... Who starts in goal tomorrow? Um, so I have a I have a feeling. I'm just gonna say I got a feeling. Um, you know, in the black eyed peas uh, style. Um, I have a feeling that Dawn wanted to kind of go one one, kind of back and forth, and do a rotation, but it would leave the door open. And the reason why I would say would leave the door open is because when Devin Levi played the game against the Ottawa Senators and lost on New Year's Eve. And then the next game was at Montreal. I thought Lukanen was going to play in Montreal. Levi just came off a game in Ottawa. They lost. And he was okay in that game. I'm thinking, well, they're going to go to UPL. But Don made an exception because it was Levi going back to Montreal in front of family and friends in his first trip, you know, playing on the road against the Canadians. He put Levi in net. So I'm thinking he has a plan to keep somewhat of a... uh, a rotation in 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 place, mm-hmm. but with an afternoon game Saturday, an afternoon game Monday, um, you can say, well, instead of going Levi Lukanen, we can go Lukanen Levi, right? And Lukanen just came up like came off a really strong effort. So, so I'm gonna say that I expect Lukanen to go tomorrow, and Levi to go Monday, but. Uh, I've been wrong, and I'm probably going to be wrong again, but who knows? I, that's what I would expect. They won the special teams battle last night, too. Yes, they did. <laughs> they almost had two power play goals. Whoa, again. It was a second after the first power play had expired on Paterka's goal. But you know what was good about the power play goal by Tage Thompson? It was simple. Mm. It was what I've said all along. Tage and Darlene should be the shooters. Everybody else should be facilitators on, on the on the power play for those two to get the puck. And Tage just got gets the puck, walks in, shoots, beats a goalie clean. Like it's not like there was a a, a really solid screen in front. There was a bit of a moving screen, but he just beat a goalie clean. That's that's how Tage can do it. So yeah, they and the penalty kill was strong because everybody just gave their bodies to mm-hmm. science to block shots and see if that was gonna. If that was going to result in a successful penalty killing, yes, it works when you block shots. Oh, I can't believe that that's how you just put it into the context. It was the uh, scientific experimentation. Let's see if we can block a lot of shots and if it helps our penalty kill. Yes, it works. I'm happy to report that they haven't given their bodies to science, that the same guys who did make the blocks and make the kills last night are expected to be ready for assignment on Saturday against Vancouver. What happens down the road happens down the road. That's their personal choice for the betterment of society, but uh, not yet. Let's hope. Well, I liked, uh, you know, Eric Johnson's reaction. Unfortunately, one led to the first Claude goal in the third period, but he, yeah. he blocked a shot pass and he was laying down. He took a couple one in the back of the legs, one in the back of the, the rear of the pants, and it, it looked like every time Eric Johnson was blocking a shot, it caught him in the wrong spot. Like, mm-hmm. there's always that open spot, as Connor Clifton said to us the other day on, on the show. Like, 
He gets it in the feet and he has the shot lockers and always misses the shot lockers. I felt like yesterday, Eric Johnson was like, darn, why isn't this piece of equipment right there? Because that's where I got hurt. And he, he had that secondary reaction, that delay reaction where ah, the electric shock just went through the body. Now, Ryan Johnson on the other end, yeah, it seems like every time he made a block, it was a perfect goalie save with a good rebound, like under control and didn't hurt at all. So it's just the way that it works. Jordan Greenway's big block at the very end of the game with Don Granado refers to in the in the post game, right? Greener, big block, great job, and everybody was excited about it. Like he was like a goalie on a shootout that's patient and is staying with the play and making it look easy. He moved over lateral shuffle pushes and he moved over and just reacted to the block. It was it was a, a clinic. It was a clinic. We haven't seen the Sabres block that many shots in a while. No. Um and and like can remember, but the way that they R- did Ranger the game would be closest, the one they lost in overtime. But I do yes. believe that that was a season high for blocks. I'll double check that. And of course, it'll give you that much more reason to tune into our pregame coverage tomorrow at 3 30 p.m. on MSG. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned Greenway. It took us a quarter of the show. He's the one that uh, was bestowed the uh, sword at the end of the game in the, in the room. And um, there's a lot. There, it was different. Like it was a greenway down the middle night, which yes. is something we don't talk about. And then sure enough, he's out there saving the day at the end before Cousins is able to put it in the empty net. Um, what do we take away from nights like this for players that, you know, don't often draw a ton of the accolades? Um, I'll say this, like with Jordan Greenway, I know that we're always going to kind of look at the production, but I think we've, We've come to know now it's not about goals and assists, although that'd be nice if it like kept creeping up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about other things. And when you have an injury to a player like Jeff Skinner and you have to shuffle around your lineup where you have to move Casey Middlestat from, which was a Middlestat Greenway Benson line and be creative, you hope that certain players are going to step up, that mm-hmm. you're going to put them in a situation and they're going to respond, right? And I think Jordan Greenway did exactly what Don Granado was hoping. I felt like Greenway Oposo Benson had some jump. They 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 had the puck. Um, they were good on the forecheck. Benson got in a few times where I know what he'll bring, but is that was that gonna be consistent through the game? Were they gonna mm-hmm. be able to have an impact on the game? Like Krebs Robinson Gergensen's had a really good impact on the game. They scored, they had some chances first period. Gergensen had a good chance in tight. And obviously I think Thompson had his opportunities and scored. Mm-hmm. Cousins lined that an impact. But you don't win in the NHL regularly unless you have all four lines kind of having an impact. You don't have to yeah. score every game. You don't have to produce offensively, but you have to have an impact in the game. And I felt like Greenway's line was able to find their, their impact in other ways, ways that in a game that ended up being tight. It was 4-3 before the Cousins' empty net goal. Um the the de- defensive plays, the uh, the good six, the the pass breakup, the block shots, and it was Greenway that led the way with that line. That was their impact, and and that's one that it gets recognized even more than the goals when you get to the locker room. Like I like you know Donnie's in the room and he says, "Oopy, great job," you know, Tage, great job, good, really good, solid bounce back game. But there's always the but, and that's always the extra, the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. But he pointed out the Krebs line and he pointed out Greenway. And that is the the kind of responsibility you have to be able to to find 
in those tight games. Yeah, it's impressive to see that Greenway did lead the team uh, in ice time among forwards at yeah. just shy of 20 minutes. And Samuelson actually led the decor at over 25 minutes. And it's not always the case because Rasmus uh, tends to be the leader in that regard. But we're going through this, you know, and last night, obviously, was out of necessity due to injury, i.e. Skinner. Um, but, you know, we've once again, over the last four games, seen a lot of different combinations as far as the defense pairs are concerned. And last night didn't have Henry Yokiharu. Ryan Johnson, after not playing the previous three, came in. I thought acquitted himself very well. So I really think that, uh, you know, we're going to see this fluctuation night to night of, uh, you know, potential ice time leaders at respective positions, especially who knows, right? Until we get the update on Thompson, just how this next potential domino could fall as far as how to utilize the the group of forwards. No, and I and obviously I we all hope that it's positive with Tate Thompson that missing today was just okay, let's give him a day off and tomorrow's an afternoon game. There's yeah, you know, just rest and go. Um, mm-hmm. so we're hoping that's the case. Um, because they'll they'll need Tage. They'll need Tage to be like he was last night against Vancouver. And and then again, like the next week, three games, Monday, Wednesday, yeah. Saturday. Like that's that's a busy week. So they'll need them. Um I failed to do something that I always do after, you know, the game uh, the morning after is I look at some of the numbers, I go through some of the video, and I'm talking about how Jordan Greenway's line, like to me, I test was mm. good defensively, had an impact defensively. Mm. In the game duffer, that line at five on five had the most high danger chances for, which was four of them. And zero against like yeah. that. So I noticed the zero against. I know this a lot of, but they had the most high danger chances at five on five of any of the Sabres line, mm-hmm. which that's a, that's a pretty nice kind of number to roll along. Like they, they didn't, you know, score. They mm-hmm. didn't, in my opinion, showed unbelievable scoring chances, but they still were efficient when you look at the numbers. So pretty good on that sense. That surprised me a little bit. You know what else happened last night for the first time ever? Um, well, I was yelling at my computer because Natural Statric wasn't refreshing at the end of the game. So, uh, but that's happened a couple of times. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned Natural Statric because they are the provider of this information. Yeah. What did I tell you early on in the game that had never happened for a particular trio? Oh, oh, they hadn't been on the ice uh, for a, a goal. Uh, or a goal. Thompson. Tuck, Middlestat. Middlestat. They'd only played only about two and a half minutes together this year, but they played a bunch last year. They had never been on the ice for a five-on-five goal four until Thompson got his first of two last night. So very, very, very odd statistic and still relatively small sample size, but uh, you'll take the bump when you can. Thompson got it seemingly from Middlestat last night, and Cousins clearly got it from being on the show yesterday oh absolutely what didn't you say it was over 50 minutes of uh five on five uh, game time last year yeah so you figured if they play about 10 minutes together of five on five that's five games and in five games that line which should score and never been on the ice for a goal four at five on five like that was very surprising but not tracking it specifically i don't know how chopped up those minutes were like, yeah. I don't recall a lot of extended games together for them. So it's end of power play sequences here. Boom. You know what I mean? Um, and and there are some oddities to those situations also where, 
somebody might have made a line change just at the last second, even though the trio had been driving play. So it's an inexact science, like most things that we uh, talk about and try to relate to the actual on ice, uh, you know, game scenarios that we show with highlights. But the fact of the matter is Thompson looked willing to do what he did so much of last year. And, you know, I don't know the exact reason for it, but you wanted to see Middlestad on that line and it happened and it ended up being productive for Tage. Again, the question remains, what's next for Tage? And we'll have an update hopefully before, uh, well, he's getting imaging, we're told now. So the last time we heard that phrase from Granado earlier this week, it led to Skinner, Skinner. being listed as a uh, upper body week to week, but that's not, we'll leave that for a few more minutes. We did want to say one thing also organizationally. I mean, I know it didn't ripple the waters significantly, but the Amherst are playing tonight and they're playing tomorrow. They're in Charlotte for both, including outdoors tomorrow. Philip Cedarquist is a young player that we have talked about a fair amount over the last two years, especially how he arrived and was able to have a presence a year ago at development camp and then keep taking those steps. And he was one player that, you know, based on size alone, I think drew an awful lot of attention in this organization because Kevin and the hockey operations department even joke about it sometimes, like their reputation, like, oh, yeah, we're just going to draft small guys, right? Cedarquist looked like a really neat project slash prospect. But for whatever reason, and... Goodness knows they've had so many players wear the Amherst jersey this year. There has been opportunity to take on more ice time and carve out a bigger role. And it didn't happen for Cedarquist this year. And they moved him yesterday to Montreal for future consideration. So just so you know, if you weren't paying attention yesterday on a game day and there's a lot going on right now, obviously, um, you know, unfortunate, but incredibly, incredibly likable player and i i wish him the best in montreal yeah so laval was really shorthanded with their forwards because they've had a lot of injuries with the montreal canadians got get, get yeah. called up and injuries in laval so they were looking for help at forwards the rochester americans have extra bodies they have a lot of bodies and you know on defense on forwards they have a lot of bodies and also when you look at your prospect pool you're thinking Okay, so you have Kulik, you have Roseanne, you have Rusek, you have Savoy, you just, Benson is up, you know, you have Noah Hoslin, you have, you know, all these guys that are in the prospect pool, Wahlberg, and you're thinking, okay, where does Philip Cedarquist, like, fit, right? Yeah. Um, And so maybe he was an expendable part to say, hey, let's give him a chance also. Maybe it's not just about us. Like, even if he gets to the point where we would say, Maybe he's developed where we would want him to be. Is there going to be room? Well, maybe not. Maybe he's being roadblocked here in, in the organization. Let's give him a chance. Um, I always saw Cedarquist as a Johan Franzen, Thomas Holmstrom type of guy. Big body, not the fastest. We'll work the corners. We'll get to the front of the net. Franzen was nicknamed the mule because of his hard work, but his lack of speed. That's basically what it was, right? Yeah. But Cedarquist yeah. was kind of like that. And I thought... He was maybe at some time going to get a chance, but it hasn't developed as fast and as quickly as others. So he gets an opportunity. No big deal. I like that the organization is giving him a chance to have a new start, somebody new. 
Cedar Chris to Montreal for future considerations. Thompson, of course, a big story last night with two goals, not at practice today, getting imaging done, and obviously stay with all the Sabres social channels for that. If there's any update before tomorrow's game day against Vancouver, Rasmus Dahlin didn't skate today. It's a maintenance day for him. This is all part of a six-game homestand for Buffalo, which includes a game on Wednesday against Chicago. But it's before the game that we really want to remind you of an important discussion that you can be a part of. It's Mental Health Awareness Night, January 17th. Conversation for us all. Pre-game panel discussion with the founder of Same Here, Eric Cusin. And that's followed by the Sabres and the Hawks game. We had Eric on the broadcast last year, and he was really insightful into what he's dealt with and why he's doing what he's doing and how these pregame conversations and global conversations have, um, you know, led to many getting to a much better place. So you can go to sabres.com slash same here to get your tickets for Wednesday's game and learn more. Shannon Goldman is coming up here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Shana Goldman from The Athletic. Her Friday appearance is upon us. Welcome, Shana. I teased earlier on in the show that global warming has hit the NHL. Ooh. Marty gave me a look that I have not seen before. The simple explanation is the league has never had four teams this hot all at once. And the four teams that are melting the ice everywhere, Florida, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Seattle, all have winning streaks of eight games or more. And historic time for the league who could have seen this particular quartet coming a couple of months ago (laughs) yeah right like I think we all could have seen Edmonton regressing back to what we expected them to be with the extreme bad comes extreme good there's nothing in between they have to be chaos and that's fine right we've accepted that the Panthers I think I've surprised everyone out the gate of how good they were but if you don't know the Panthers are good by now I don't know what you're watching because they have been dominating in all facets of the game. And it's players we didn't expect, right? And that's what's so great for them. So if Matthew Kachuk wasn't clicking, it's fine because the Barkoff line is doing everything. And Reinhardt's amazing. And Evan Rodriguez, like, it's all working for them. And it's this complete effort. But Seattle, after that losing streak, are here. Thank you, Joey Decor. Thank you, defensive awareness picking up the pace. And thank you, depth scoring. Love it for them. And the Jets are the team you know I am so critical of. And I keep saying they're not the contender for me in the central. They're third. Mm -hmm. I like that they're proving me wrong. And they did it all without their best player, arguably. 
soon right. as Kyle Connor went down, even though he was trending to another typical Kyle Connor season, the void has been filled in by everyone, including, dare I say, Vesna frontrunner Connor Hellebuck. He could be. He could be. It's going to be stiff competition for the Vesna, and I love that because I think the last years we've had, like last year's discussion about the Vesna. To me, was great because you had all Mark Soros and Sorokin, and it really made for a good conversation. But yeah. this year, it's Helmbuck, it's Thatcher Demko. You have Jacob Markstrom thriving. He's never going to get it because the winds aren't going to catch up, <laughs> and that's not on him. And I still expect Sorokin and Chesterkin at some point to remember that they are two of the best goalies in the world and to pick it up too. You just, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about goaltenders. So I guess we'll go there because for the last. Three months we've been saying, well, somebody's going to move a goalie, or somebody's going to wave a goalie, or some goalie movement's going to happen. And now, last night, we had three significant goalie injury. Maybe Ottawa, Forsberg, it doesn't matter because the Sens are where they are. Carolina, um, Kochekov left the game. Anaheim, John Gibson left the game. So, more the fact that Gibson may have been a guy rumored to move, and we'll have to see if you know his injury is going to be long term or not. But, you know, out of Columbus. Merzlikens now has said that he and Columbus have now discussed multiple scenarios that, look, it's probably better for him to go somewhere else. So there's a lot of goalies that are, you know, entering the market. Jacob Markstrom, you mentioned him. So so who's the who's the one that is most likely to go and to be traded? Like, is it is it Markstrom because um, he has had that season that has been better than most of them? Um, it's probably Jake Allen because general managers are boring and can't assess goaltending. And listen, I feel for them because I'm right there with you GMs. Like who among us understands goaltending unless you're a goaltender and I'm never going to stop saying it, but it feels like everyone goes for the bland option. And sometimes, you know, mid season, it makes sense, right? Because how hard is it to, you know, adapt to a new team, a new system, a new goalie coach, a new everything mid year. It's really challenging, especially if you're not going to be the number one guy, because you're getting even fewer, you know, reps and opportunities, but it does feel like it, and I keep saying it, so I'm going to keep having egg on my face. It feels like at a certain point, we have to see something splashy. And every single week, the NHL is pushing GMs to say, hey, here's your chance. Someone else is hurt. You need to do something. If I had to pick a goalie to move, though, I think it's going to be Elvis. I think that he is someone that could use a fresh start. I think he's been performing much better this year. I don't put all of the bad seasons on him. Yes, has he fallen below expectations at times? Absolutely. But look at what he's been playing behind. I mm-hmm. think he's someone I could really see go for a fresh start. And we've seen Jarmo Kekalainen right, wrong, or sideways make big splashes before. Um, I feel like he's like an underratedly bad GM at times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he comes out with big surprises. So I don't know how this trade will actually look and if he'll be the winner of it. But I think that's more likely to happen, even though I think the Flames should absolutely trade Jacob Markstrom this year. Well, Merzlikens, uh, again, finds himself behind one of the most injured groups of forwards and defensemen, so that never helps the cause. But to your point, I mean, it has to be stressful at that position when your team leading scorer at this point in the year has 25 points, and that's Johnny Gaudreau and Zach Wierenski. I mean, that's just a horribly low number, and they're just, you know, they've had their moments where it looks like things will stabilize, but unless you can expect some sort of offensive consistency. These guys have no hope. And then there's the unexpected, now similar story emerging in the West. And the Kings are like three points away from being out of the playoffs altogether. Shayna, they've lost seven in a row. Is there anything they can do other than just roll with it here and expect it to turn around? 
I think that they can expect it to turn around, but I think they actively have to adjust their game to make it turn around. Because when we look at what's gone wrong for them, it's they're defending, which is not what we'd expect, right? Mm -hmm. They picked up the scoring. We're used to the Kings being a team that create a ton of offense and can't finish their chances. That's not the case. We're used to the Kings having good enough goaltending to get by, even when things are pretty chaotic with whether mm -hmm. it was Jonathan Quick of years past or a, a, an unexpected tandem like last year that ended up being Corpus Allo and Copley. Right now, it's their rush game against. And I think we really saw that against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that's been pretty middling at five on five. They have, in the beginning of the season, they were one of the best teams at defending the rush. And now we're seeing that kind of flip on its head. And those goals against Tampa Bay, when they were able to change the game as quickly as they were in that third period to force overtime and, and eventually win and continue the Kings losing streak, it's chances in transition. Mm -hmm. So the Kings are a team I expect to be better at the blue line. I think that they have to, whether it's get back to basics or maybe tweak their pairs, that's that's what it's about. It's about closing things off at the blue line a little bit more. And then if you get a chance passed, it's figuring out a way to proactively take that rush chance away so you're not for forcing your goaltender to continuously face those shots. Were you in favor of the Kings acquiring Pierre de Dubois? And what do you think now is the the I don't want to say the plan. I mean, he has an eight year deal, eight and a half million dollar on the cap. Um, it's year one, but I remember last year when he got traded, people hit me on Twitter. Oh, Sabres should have gone for Pierre Luc Dubois. I look at this guy, he's 24, 25 years old, he's a stud. And and it's like, oh, I got there's a reason why he went Columbus from Columbus and Winnipeg. He's not coming to Buffalo, exactly. Well, yeah, no. but it's there's a reason why Columbus moved on and now Winnipeg moved on. Like, Ellie kind of fell into that trap again, but. Is, is Dubois ever going to meet that expectation? The expectations are high, especially with Velarde popping off the way he is in Kyle Connor's spot. But that contract comes with expectations. And see, this is, it's always tricky because when you see a player make the kind of money he does, you can look at it two ways. You can blame the player for not paying up, you know, playing up to his salary. And you have a point to, to an extent. And then you can fault the general manager for handing him that money because you can't be mad a player said yes. Um, the Dubois situ situation, I think has been kind of interesting for years because he has such a bad rep for like attitude issues for wanting out. And I think to a point players should be able to dictate their futures and the NHL system is so against that. And if you're committing to a place for eight years, you have to be happy with where it is. But on the other hand, if you are going to dictate your future and command that kind of contract, you, you know, you have a duty to your team as well. And I don't think he's lived up to it. Do I think he's ever going to live up to it? It's possible. We've seen really good seasons from him before. He was very good in Winnipeg last year. We've seen mm -hmm. really high-end seasons in Columbus, too, as that really gritty net front player who's good at recovering pucks and, you know, supporting someone like an Artemi Panarin. Does he have that in L.A.? Not really. He has Kevin Fiala, who's a very, very, very low-end version of Panarin, but you still have a good playmaker, a good passer. You know, mm -hmm. yes, there's going to be defensive flaws when the two of them would be on the ice together, but there's a reason they split them up, too. It's not working offensively. Is he going to turn it around this year? I'm really not sure. I'm not super optimistic about it right now because we're not even seeing bad luck or streaky play or anything to give us like any indication of hope right now. We just have to base it on his entire career, which we know can be better, but we also know it can be kind of mid. So it's somewhere in between that. It's on him to pick up the pace as much as you want the Kings to find a way to maximize him. Like he's got to be better himself. So we saw a glimpse in that LA loss slash losing streak last night, it extended to seven because they lost in the last second of overtime. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Sam Reinhardt and his 30th Buffalo hosts Vancouver tomorrow. That means Mr. Game winning goal scorer of the last four straight road games. Elias Pettersson comes in and 
William Nylander already has his new deal. So this is my long-winded way of asking, what are the next contracts going to be for Pedersen and Reinhardt? Wow, this is a question I know so much about. We love this. Um, <laughs> so it's funny because the 2024 class of free agents looked incredible, right? You saw high-end stars at every position ready to rip, but teams don't let those players get to that point. And the class has dwindled. You've seen those early contracts to Matthews, Nylander, Aho, Devon Taves, uh, even, I guess you could say, Mark Shapley, um, Connor Hellenbuck. Mm-hmm. Like, there are players all over the place. And then the RFAs are taking care of, too, the Darlene's, the Powers, the Jake Sanderson's. So now you have two guys, and they're going to benefit from this. One, Reinhardt is going to thrive in the fact that there's going to be a lot of demand for a high-end star on the free agent market, and there aren't many options. So if he gets to that point... Teams are probably going to be offering up money. The other part of it is he's having a fantastic season. We saw last year him be very good in Florida. And it was funny because the first half of the season, this was someone that could not finish his chances. And we know shooting percentages tend to regress back to average. And they totally did for him by year's end. But look at it this year. It helps that someone like Matthew Kachuk has been in such a passing capacity on the power play to really set him up for these grade A chances that no goalie stopping. But he has been better than just the scoring. It's the all-around game. He's been excellent defensively. He's been great on the penalty kill. He has developed into this all-around forward that could command $10.5 million, you know, at his peak, I would say, on a maximum contract. When before this year, maybe we were close to that $8 million range. If Nylander sets the bar of players getting paid up to their maximum value and their market value, really, right? Because Nylander got paid at his peak, that could happen for Reinhardt. For Pedersen, it could, too. And it's a little bit different because you're having a player that isn't a right winger like Nylander and who isn't an unrestricted free agent. I think Pedersen could always write his own check, but I think this kind of cements it a little bit further because if the top winger on the market makes $11.5 million, you're a top-line center. You can command a lot more. Nylander's not the number one player on his team. He's two or three to Matthews and potentially Marner, depending on the moment and how you shake things out. Pedersen is number one in Vancouver, and he's always going to be, so he should be paid like it. So, $12 million? Why not? He could go I for more. So. Honestly, he could go for 12.5. He could push for 13. I think he's absolutely worth it. And he's and, a little younger. And just to stay on Sam or back to Sam, do you think Sam will actually take a Florida deal, taxation, yada, 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 just good team, great fit. It's been a great fit for him. Do you think, I, he'll, re- do you think he'll reach free agency or not? It's, it's going to come down to what Florida prioritizes, right? Do yeah. they prioritize the pending unrestricted free agent defensemen like Montour, like Forsling, do they feel the pressure of the fact that they only have, what, two defensemen signed for next year? Do they go for Reinhardt? I would go for Reinhardt. I do think the tax stuff gets a little bit overblown because players still get taxes on on the road. Mm -hmm. But it it is a selling point. I get that. I just, I wonder if that's going to bring the money down that much. I still think he's going to get at least 8-5. But I think if he stays in Florida, he goes more discounty because I don't see him exceeding Barkov's contract, even if the cap percentage is different. I, I, I still have a hard time thinking he'll exceed Matt Kachuk at nine and a half, but I think they can find a sweet spot between nine and a half and 10. And obviously just tell Kachuk, look, we need Sam here to win a cup. We went to the finals last year. If he walks away, that's a tough player to replace. He's so smart in all aspects of the game. Um, and yes, the Florida taxation, I think could help that. Um, Elias Pettersson, I said 12 last week. Um, I was not in the $12 million boat at first when I started my research. And then I'm thinking, well, Connor McDavid got 12 and a half as an RFA. And I don't know that Elias Pettersson will get more than Connor McDavid. So I stayed at the $12 million number, but like 
where would Vancouver be without Elias Pettersson is always a question that I would ask myself. And if he's that valuable to their team, which he is, um, you're probably going to have to pay him. So, so again, Pettersson, Miller, Besser, Quinn Hughes. Uh, who else am I missing here? Is that, uh, you're running out yeah. of time is what you're doing. Thatcher Demko. Which one has the most value in Vancouver right now? Pedersen probably. Oh, I like by... how you said probably because you you leave the door open. It's it's it goes back and forth. Quinn Hughes is super valuable, but not for nothing. As great as the Canucks have been, Demko's been the difference for them. Yes, a lot Thank of the you. time. So I'm kind of torn between the two, but I think in the long run, if you can pick up your play in front of the net, then you don't have to rely on Demko as much. And if anyone's going to lead the charge on that, it's Elias Pedersen. Amazing run that he and the Canucks are on, and we will see it on full display tomorrow afternoon here in Buffalo. Shayna, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next thank week. Thank you, too. All right. Sabres Live concludes after this. They win. We're back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Time winding down, and obviously a name and number that is just etched in hockey history and here in Buffalo as well. When you look up to the rafters, Tim Horton was born on this day in 1930. Of course, he passed at the age of 44, but uh, hard not to, you know, recognize and celebrate the, the career of one of the game's greats born on this day, Marty. Anytime we can, we should always remind people that Tim Hortons is not just a coffee and bake shop at the corners here in Buffalo and in Canada, um, that it was actually a Hall of Famer, fantastic hockey player that passed away way too soon, way too young uh, in a, uh, obviously a tragic car accident, but um, yeah, and and talking to Don Luce a few times, right? And Donnie Luce used to say, like, I used to go to his house in the summer and he'd come up with donuts and muffins and we'd try it and and we would like, oh, like this one, and he would use them for his bake shop, right? That's yeah. the stories with Donnie Luce about Tim Hortons are amazing. Uh, but yeah, for a lot of people across the world and in Canada and in Buffalo, they don't really know. So he no. was a uh, a pillar and he came to Buffalo towards the end of his career. Yeah, and how blessed are we to have had such uh, incredible alumni. Uh, it never gets old seeing a familiar Rafters Club member like Danny Gare, who yeah, uh, joined us last night, and we'll see him again real soon. Some alumni joining you on Saturday. We look forward to it. Enjoy the weekend, folks. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.